Hello everyone and welcome to our first attempt at a, a podcast for Hungerford Town Football Club. Um, unofficial of course, all views, uh, musings, mutterings are our own and not the uh, football club. And when I say our own, I'm joined today by my brother, Mr David Allen. Mr. Ho, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, sorry, Good afternoon. Sorry I didn't have a drum roll there, but I think it's quite fitting that in this... Rather a sausage roll. <laughs> I think it's quite fitting in this first attempt at a podcast that Dave is my guest, because I'm going to call the podcast Antiques and Grannies, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but Antiques and Grannies being the um, probably the most famous now of the Hungerford Town supporters' chants, were you not the person who came up with that idea? Uh, came up with the idea that Gavin Davis also um, contributed a lot to the song because we pinched the song like we have recently all of Thatcham Town's players from Thatcham's uh, Chavs, Kebabs and a Toilet yep. song. So we tweaked it and came up with our own version. Yeah, and it, it, it seems to be quite a popular little chant, that one, not only among our own fans, but gets a few wry smiles from opposition fans as well, I think. It's almost quite endearing, really, as a chant. It, it does, and to be fair, we, we have come up with a few off-the-cuff chants down the line, which have been really funny as well, which have... Um, caused a lot of mirth around the ground. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll cover them in, in episodes uh, to come, if, if not today. Uh, my Who Ate Matty Day uh, one being one of my personal favourites, of course. Um, so what we're trying to do today, I think, is, is kind of go back pre-becoming uh, hung for town supporters and just kind of go back over why we kind of like non-league football and our memories of local non-league football and we just see whether the chat takes us really um i mean like me dave doesn't live in hungerford uh, there's no real reason why we should have an affinity with with hungerford town um we both grew up in newbury eight miles to the east Newbury in the 2011 census had a population of 39,000, Hungerford 5,000, and that ratio probably is still um, holds true today. If not more. Yep, yeah, Newbury's grown and Hungerford may have just grown a little bit perhaps. Um, but the sad fact is that Newbury as a town has allowed its football club to pretty much disintegrate, hasn't really got a home anymore and um, Hungford and of course Thatcham are the two teams to follow in the local area. We've pinched their seats as well, as well as Thatcham's <laughs> players. <laughs> we'll have anything that's not, <laughs> not nailed down, down, but if it is, we'll take that as well. So, uh, yeah, that's how it works at Hungford. So, Dave, let's go back to um, growing up. Um, like me, I think you used to quite enjoy going to Faraday Road, home of Newbury Town. Not any particular memories of of going to Faraday Road? Yeah, the first first one is just remember a centre half for Newbury called Charlie Penny, jet black hair, and I seem to remember him, he's probably played for all of the local um, main sides, Newbury, Thatcher, and Hungerford. And he was a quality defender. He was, I remember him well. And I also remember going with my mates from school as 13, 14 year olds to just on, off the cuff because the game tonight should we go down there and watch it mm. and there was about 15 of us just turned up pitched up behind the goal as we always do now many years on giving the goalie some grief 
and singing songs mm. of the day um, and even made it into the programme in the next two I or think three I games. Remember, I remember you, sh- me, uh, you showed me the programme and uh, you know, I don't think New Retown had ever seen support like you and your friends <laughs> brought to life. No, and they're probably thankful they haven't ever since. But, <laughs> yeah. um, They'd be glad of 15 people now. They, no, they, they said in the programme, we appreciate all the support we get. It's you know, marvellous to see the youngsters as we were back then behind mm. the goal. Um, if you could ask your families and friends to come along, that would be brilliant. Just could you please moderate your language? Yeah. <laughs> so some things don't change. No, no. Just taking you back to some of uh, the names. Um, one you mentioned there, of course, Charlie Penny, someone I remember well. Uh, yes, long dark hair. He reminded me that maybe he should have been in the film uh, The Four Musketeers. He looked like yeah, Aramis. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had a, like a swashbuckling appearance and that's the way he played the game as well. I don't know if you would call his um, main centre-half partner, Billy Todd. No. I, what I remember about Billy is um, he was the sort of player, he looked up to me like he would be happy to hoof the ball into the opposition's half and then take a drag on the cigarette until the ball came back again. But they did form quite a, a good partnership, Messrs Penny and Todd. And UB have had some good players down, down the years. They've had a few ex-Reading players, Stuart Bevan, Steve Richardson, both played for them. And when I went, there was a goalie called Simon Osgood who was really, really decent. I think he earned a move to Aldershot. I don't think his career really took off. And there was a striker called Simon Aitie. Yes, that's the name I remember. Who um, I remember playing against when he played on a Sunday for Donington. I remember thinking, Christ, he's a big chap. Mm-hmm. And I was marking him. He, he didn't score. Big in. But um, I think as time went on, his surname became his weight size because he turned out to be about 18 stone. Yes, he, he did indeed. But I do recall he actually ended up having a trial at Nottingham Forest. Um, I don't think it went particularly well because he ended up back at Newbury Town again. And my lasting memory of Simon is uh, almost having a fight with him in the Hatchet pub uh, because for some reason he didn't seem to like the coat I was wearing. <laughs> But as you say, he was a big bloke and uh, wouldn't I didn't... Wouldn't have to fit into it, no, he? wouldn't have fit into my coat, no, so I'm not quite sure why he took such a dislike to it. Um, another thing I remember about Faraday Road is myself and my good friends Tim Cotton and David Perry. Um, it was very much jumpers at the goalposts. We used to put our jumpers down on the grass between um, the goal at one end and the clubhouse that used to be situated behind that goal. And um, the number of times the ball used to roll onto the pitch, usually the, the goalkeeper or whoever would roll the ball back to us, but he did occasionally get opposition players who <laughs> just turn around and hoof the ball into the faraway stands. Um, I know as we've got older and seen that happen at Hungford Town, um, no name is Mr Wilkinson's young son, but uh, that used to rather annoy us, the ball game. Yeah, it became the, the tutting party. Yeah, not um, yeah, not one for uh, ball games around when the the game's actually on. Led led to a Chesham supporter calling us a bunch of clowns on one occasion, I believe. Yeah, it? it did. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Dave, I touched upon the fact now that Newbury, a town its size, doesn't have a a proper football team to be true for. It's just a nomadic little team that gets a home wherever it can which um, to my mind is quite sad. It's a travesty um, really for the songs of Newbury. 
mean, we do have Thatcham and, and Hungerford, uh, who both uh, do pretty well. Um, yeah, have you got any other thoughts on, on football in the local area today and how it compares to growing up? Yeah, well, I've always supported the local sides, be it Reading, which was my main team going from 15, 16 year old up until say 2013 when I started going to Northern League. But, I mean, I've always popped along to Thatcham, so I lived in Thatcham for a number of years and saw them play. Um, and obviously Newbury, and I've seen Hungerford play down the years as well. I think before I started going, I saw them in the FA Cup versus Weymouth. I remember that game as well. Yeah. There's um, all the all the three clubs were what you call friendly clubs, and it's just a shame that they're in an area where people don't really give two two rats asses about. That's football. right. Um, I mean, it's almost like a clock face around here, isn't it? To the north, you have Oxford. Um, to the east, you have Reading. To the south, Southampton. In the west, Swindon. And people either follow those clubs or, in general, around here, um, don't tend to follow football full stop, which um, you know, is one of the reasons why Hungford struggles to get decent gates. Um, and if you look at our sort of core of away fans, you've got Andy and Sam who used to follow Reading. You've got myself that used to follow Reading. Uh, Gavin used to go and see Swindon play. Paul Stevens used to go and see Swindon play. So, I mean, a lot of people sort of, whether or not they've fallen out of love with the... Well, yes, that, that's very true, though, because that raises an interesting point, really, about why are people... Well, or is it just something <laughs> with us? Uh, why have people come away from league football and tend to prefer to watch non-league football? What is the attraction, do you think? I think there's more connection between the players and the supporters. Um, I mean, you wouldn't get to travel on a... A Reading first team coach to a game, uh, whereas with Hungerford you can go on there and mix with the players yeah. if, if you wanted to. Um, also, helps pay for the coach as well, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, someone's got to pay for it. Um, but, for, but for me, I used to say I used to watch Reading home and away every every season for a good decade. Uh, but then the prices started going up. Obviously, I had two children. You had obviously find somewhere to park, and then you had to pay for parking again. Then, and then it took an hour and a half to get out of the car park. Whereas with non-league football, you pitch up could be 15 minutes beforehand. You normally find a space somewhere close by. Don't normally have to pay if you do. It's only minimal. And then you're away and back on the road. Hopefully with three points in the bag and back along the motorway. Yeah, it's 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 a lot simpler, isn't it, in, in terms of being able to follow and. and I don't think any less in, enjoyable. Um, but can I just again take you back to your Reading days? Um, I don't know if I've got the wrong end of the stick here, but I seem to recall you weren't averse to a little bit of fisticuffs if the need arose. Do, do you miss that at non-league level? <laughs> uh, we're, we're not in court, are we? Uh, no comment, Your Honour. Um, this is the man who was almost arrested five minutes into us arriving in Glasgow for the Scottish Cup final. <laughs> um, never leaves you but I'm 48 years old so to see me scampering across a terrace to hit someone I think it's a, a long gone days but I enjoy the sing songs yes I enjoy standing on terraces like I used to 
they call it banter, don't they? Or bants for short. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah. Um, obviously, these days you've got to be more politically correct and you've got to watch what songs you sing just in case you don't offend anyone. Um, I think the songs we come out with, albeit small in number, although there might be a few new ones coming in this season, um, it's, it's just a, it's a good laugh. And do I regret um, my times with Reading in the past? Not one bit. Good. Please don't hear it. That's how it should be. Now, I'm just going to say a little bit about Hungford as a, a, a town, I think, just to give other people a little bit of background. Um, antiques and grannies. That's what Antiques and grannies. That's very true. Um, I guess, now, coming from Newbury by car, as you go turn left off the A4 and go up the, the little high street in Hungford, um, you're struck by a number of tea shops, antique shops, as you would say, and grannies walking along. Um, one particular tea shop I like is the Tutty Pole. Just um, on the right hand side as you're driving up the high street. That's it. I've been told off in the past for pronouncing it Tutti Pole, um, because apparently Tutti can mean something quite different. Um, the word Tutti um, ties in with the Hungford Hot Tide celebrations. For people who don't know what that is, it's an important day in Hungford's calendar. Um, it dates back to medieval times. Um, the first Tuesday, I believe it was in uh, after Easter, is when the rents were collected, and for some reason that's led to a tradition where men can dress up in funny hats, climb up ladders, uh, hand young ladies oranges, and demand a kiss. Now, I've tried that in the other out for years and ended up in court. Sounds so, like a night out in Newbury, really. <laughs> but, and also, uh, my old primary school captain, Julian Tubb, is now the town crier in Hungerford. So uh, he has a big part to play in all those celebrations. But anyway, I, I, I digress. We're not here to talk about Tutty Men and their big sticks with flowers on the end and getting their uh, Tutty Men with big can. sticks? Yeah. <laughs> we are digressing. Yeah. Um, Anyway, eventually, as you come to the top of the high street, you, you branch off um, into Priory Road, which then takes you down to Bullpit Lane, the infamous home of Hungford Town. Um, one thing I just want to cover very quickly here is Priory Road, Priory Avenue, just outside the, the football ground, is where the tragic events of the Hungford Massacre took place in 1987. And I think I'm right in saying that there's a little memoriam, isn't there, to this um, people that lost their lives that day? Yeah, close there, to the ground? yeah, there is, and you know, no one wants to be famous for something like that. And, and uh, yet, it is sometimes the only reason why people have heard of Hungford. Yeah, and mm. it's uh, still a memory. That's very raw for a lot of the people from Hungerford. There's probably quite a few of the Hungerford supporters who were affected by yeah, events. Had that relatives yeah. that were involved or lost mm. their lives. Um, but and what, I, what can I, do? I kind of take umbrage sometimes. It doesn't happen that often, but occasionally on social media you'll see uh, some uh, opposition supporters, smart Halleck, um comments trying to make some kind of joke about it and I kind of take umbrage on behalf of the people of Hungerford uh, as I say we don't come from there but I think um, oh come on you've got to be a bit better than that no it's well, no, things you, you don't joke about no you, you offend one you offend all yeah um, I can remember one guy from St Albans and one from Wildstone I think uh, came out with some derogatory comment 
um, about watering the memorial was one. I think I remember something said by the um, Wheelstone supporters. And this yeah. St Albans one was the crowds are a lot less there now since obviously Michael Ryan, which mm. was you know, yeah. obviously bang out of order, and he had a lot of people waiting for him yeah. if he'd uh, come down and said something like mm. that. And I believe one day there was something said by a member of the staff on the Concord bench which uh, almost caused uh, fisticuffs. Yeah, well, as, as you said, there's lines you don't cross and making jokes and comments about dead people mm. isn't a, no. a line you should cross. No. Anyway, we shall draw a line under that now and move on to um, things that are nicer to, to talk about. Um, we, we, let's have a little talk about Ball Pit Lane and your earliest memories of Ball Pit Lane. Now, to me, Ball Pit Lane it reminds me of Trigger's Dream Girl, not much to look at, scar on her chin, and that kind of sums it up to me. But at the same time, there's something to, to me and possibly to yourself as a fellow supporter almost magical about the place. Well, it's um, how, how can you describe it compared to some grounds that we visit? It looks like ours have been sort of thrown together in bits and bobs, which I think it has to be honest. That's exactly what's happened. Uh, obviously, um. We've got the Newbury stand up where the Ron Tarry stand was, and that's been moved to the side. But then you've got like little standing areas, and then you've got bigger seated areas on both sides of the ground. But I mean, also compared to some clubs, it's, it's not that bad. No. Um, people always complain and all, almost use our ground and the slope as an excuse should they ever get beat yes. by us like it's already prepared I was, I was going to ask you about the slope because there definitely is a slope not quite as profound as the slope in the high street but um, I believe you've seen slopes that you would say are, are far uh, steeper yeah I think, I think there's one in Chard I went to on a Tuesday night which is basically if you just tap the ball from one end it would roll all the way down into the other end and into the net and I think I went to a match with you at North Lee which uh, similarly you had to kind of hold hold on to the railing yeah you thought you were on a sliding into the penalty area yeah it's like being on a boat and it listing (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, another one I remember is uh, Petersfield but that one uh, slopes more from side to side from from memory which you could also say about Billericay's ground to be honest yeah although Billericay's is a decent football ground for viewing true um, and the pitch, when we went, obviously not since allegedly Tamplin drove all over it with his souped-up car, yep. or Range Rover, um, the pitch looked decent as well, albeit with a slope every bit as much as ours. Yeah, yes, I agree. I'm, I'm sure Billericay will crop up in future episodes uh, when we cover things like away days, because uh, one of our great away days was there. But again, I won't go into that in too much detail here. That's for another day. So my earliest memory of uh, Ballpit Lane, I think, is going to a friendly in the late 70s when Hungford entertained a very strong Spurs team. Now, at the time, it didn't appear strong because it was late 70s and it was a young Spurs team. But I'm just going to rattle off some of the names to you. Mickey Hazard, Mark Falco, Chris Hewton, Terry Gibson, goalkeeper Mark Kendall. All promising youngsters all broke into the Spurs team. It's amazing to look back on that now as a friendly that took place. Well, to be honest, I obviously know all of those names, but I can't place the goalie. But obviously, Terry Gibson also played for Coventry. Um, and Man United in the end, I think. 
Yeah, that was a good signing for them. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, Mickey Hazard was a much underrated player. Even when he did break into the first team, I thought he was a proper workhorse. Yeah, played well for Chelsea as well. Chris Hewton, quality right back. Yeah. Mark Falco, I saw um, score on several occasions down the years. Um, obviously, Tottenham's not the only team to no. grace the hallowed turf. You've had Watford. Yeah. I'm not sure Southampton have had the team there. You think somewhere down the line they must have done. Um, now nowadays when we have friendlies, um, they're quite often um, against what's called the under twenty three size. Uh, Reading we've had in recent years and Bristol City, and there's a tendency to almost I think look down your nose at those friendlies. But again, who, how do we know we're not looking at the next great crop of players come through that that club? Yeah. Also, Oxford United we played not long ago. And I think Har- uh, is it Harvey Bradbury played one of his first games for us and had an easy goal to score. But as you say, those guys we're playing against from league clubs could be going Start, on to much better of the things. Future. Indeed. Now, talking about players that have played on the hallow turf there, um, one of us has played on that pitch, Dave, and it isn't me. What are your memories of playing <laughs> at Ball Pit Lane? Uh, mine's good memories from playing on Ball Pit Lane, as um, I think I've played on a lot of the local grounds. I've scored on most of them, and indeed I did score uh, at Hungerford's ground in a friendly game between Hungerford Post Office and Newby Post Office. I won't go into too much detail, but I scored a header at the wrong tarry end. <laughs> Um, which helped us to a comfortable victory. And talking of things that happened at the Ron Terry ends, of course, that is the one and only time I have been on the pitch, apart from celebrating a, a playoff victory. The one time I have been on the pitch was to take penalties against Hungerford Town goalkeeper George Leg, trying and to I, raise money for charity. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, you asked me not to put any of the penalties on social media as um, you weren't overly successful well they did hit the post I raised a grand total of zero pounds which tells you how many penalties I scored <laughs> yeah as I say the one uh, that did beat him all ends up as Paul Merson would say hit the beans on toast it did indeed but George Legg did say to me afterwards I had one of the hardest shots in soccer that he's ever faced um, but also slightly after that <laughs> as you had Ian Passy stepping up and scoring and scoring yeah <laughs> yes yeah, and the same Ian Passy uh, also told me that if, if I was ever to make the Hungford Town team, I definitely would not be on penalties. Um, so, Dave, it's been an interesting first test podcast we've done. I think we'll finish off this one just by talking a little bit about our first game, as I would call it, as being proper Hungford Town supporters. I'm going to take you back to a bank holiday in August when neither of us had very much to do. I picked up the phone, gave you a call, and said, fancy coming over to Hungerford. Take it from there. What do you remember about the day? Well, that's, is that the game against Burnham? Correct. Uh, Score. Five-goal thriller. Got beat, I think, 2-3. Correct. Uh, we both commented on, uh, at the time, crikey, look at their left-back. He's good. He's quick, he's quick as anything. Yep. Uh, only turned out to be Diak John, who played uh, a lot of games for Hungerford in the future. He did indeed. a fair few suspensions. I was going to say, sometimes you actually managed to complete 90 minutes. Yeah. I think I also remember that game, I, I may actually be wrong, but I, I think the right back was quite possibly Gary Horgan. And I can't remember, he either got injured 
sent off or bowed or, or neither. But... No, to, be, to be fair to Gary, he often went down during the game just so he could have a breather, but he was a very good servant to the club he, and a very good yeah, player. Yeah, one of my favourite Hungry Town players, I'd have to say. But I would say, instead of bringing a pair of boots on the pitch with it, we probably should have brought a mattress. <laughs> but he was a good good Hungerford player. Yeah, and his hair was always slicked back and the old gel on. And yeah. I think he scored two goals, headed goals, away at Arsley, I think. Uh, he certainly scored in that game and he did definitely score two at home to throw. He, he became our goal-scoring machine for a little while. He well, scored three games. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, but even that is enough to elevate him my goal-scoring stats above the likes of strikers of, at the ilk of Alex Wall, Tom Meachin. Charlie and Peel. Uh, Charlie and Peel, I think, just behind, but um, not not far off. But yes, a good good servant indeed. Now, after attending that first game, did you think we'd be coming back and still be going six or seven seasons later? Well, you'd think we'd be obviously going back as returning fans after watching a, a thumping win for the side, not a team that's just got beaten 3-2. But obviously there was something we saw there about the camaraderie and uh, team ethic that we thought, no, that's that's decent. Perhaps it did remind you of your Reading days and being used to disappointment, you thought, I'll have some of this. Yeah, well, you know, why break a habit, eh? That's right. Well, Dave, thank you very much for your time today and I hope to see more podcasts with you in the future. You're more than welcome because I've got lots of funny stories. Thank you very much.